let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chica Live Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Monday evening, where we continue our reflections into the richness of church history, uh, the great Christian thinkers, the great many saints that we have been talking about. Now, we have arrived at a point where we are transitioning out of the 16th century and into the 17th century. So today, this evening, we will take up the figure of uh, Galileo, and I will do this with uh, John O'Hara. So, John, great to have you with me another evening. Nice to be here again, Joe. Thank you. So, John, uh, before we talk about Galileo, it, it should be said as it relates to the 16th century, you know, where have we been? Well, our tour through the 16th century had us, of course, looking at the Protestant Reformation and its counter-reformation in the Council of Trent. And while there were many negative consequences we could say, there were certainly some positive aspects and some positive developments that came out from uh, the Council of Trent. And John, I'm thinking of the three Ds, the renewal and devotion, new fervor in worship, its discipline, a reform of the abuses that were going on before the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, and certainly um, in its doctrine, a clarification, if you will, of uh, what the Catholic Church actually believes, its doctrine that is, of course, rooted in sacred scripture. So there were positive developments in its devotion, in its discipline, in its doctrine, uh, especially with, with respect to its clarification. Um, and what's more, uh, our time in the 16th century had us looking at a great number of doctors of the church. In point of fact, there were seven doctors of the church in the 16th century, which um, outside of the 4th century is the one century that has the most doctors of the church. And so that had us looking at a number of mystics, uh, preachers, missionaries, all of which brought renewal to the Catholic church. When you think about the mystics, you think of St. John of Avila, St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, you know, the preachers, St. Lawrence of Berdisi, St. Francis de Sales, St. Charles Borromeo, all of these great figures, St. Robert Bellarmine. I mean, the 16th century was just so rich with so many great figures that brought about renewal to the Catholic Church. And, and so it really was a time, John, that we had in the 16th century to reflect into many different topics, uh, many different figures, um, and many different aspects of the Catholic Church and life. We are creatures of our times, the fourth century. What mm. were the two big dates in the history of Christianity? Probably 314 and 1517. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. then that's where you have all of your major characters happen. Constantine around uh, in the 314, and, and the church could now meet in groups. Mm -hmm. And then Martin Luther began and continued the split of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you had those two major events, and, and so now we move into the 17th century, John, and with that transition into the 17th century, we really have the beginning of what we call the modern world, you know, the early 17th century, really up to the year 1900 for many historians, and, and with that, what do you have? Well, you have the emergence of, of modern science, and also these new political philosophies, and just the, the rearrangement of the political structure in, in Europe and how it affected the whole world. So this is what is going on in the modern world when we talk about it. And again, typically we speak of the modern world in the context of 
early 17th century up to around 1900. Now, I just spoke, John, of modern science, and one of the great poverties of today is to look at the Catholic Church and see it in consternation with science, to see science as something hostile to the Catholic Church. That could never be farther from the truth. Listen to what uh, Thomas Woods has to say, and, and this comes to us from the book How the Catholic Church Saved Western Civilization. He says this, It is a relatively simple matter to show that many great scientists like Louis Pasteur have been Catholic. Much more revealing, however, is the surprising number of Catholic churchmen, priests in particular, whose scientific work has been so extensive and significant. Here were men who in most cases had taken holy orders and had committed themselves to the highest and most significant spiritual commitment the church affords. Their insatiable curiosity about the universe God created and their commitment to scientific research reveals far more than could any merely theoretical discussion that the relationship between church and science, I love this line here, John, is naturally one of friendship rather than antagonism and suspicion. I think of Bishop Robert Barron in his great series of Catholicism takes us to Arizona, where mm. the Vatican owns one of the best observatories still working. Amen. And there are many, many examples <laughs> of that. Uh, Thomas Wood says elsewhere here, John, it was in the Society of Jesus, the priestly society founded in the 16th century by the man we just mentioned, John St. Ignatius of Loyola, where the great bulk of Catholic priests interested in the sciences were found. They had contributed to the development of pendulum clocks, pantographs, barometers, reflecting telescopes, and microscopes, to scientific fields as various as magnetism, optics, and electricity. They observed, in some cases before anyone else, the colored bands on Jupiter's surface, the Andromeda Nebula, and Saturn's rings. They theorized about the circulation of the blood, the theoretical possibility of flight, the way the moon affected the tides and the wave-like nature of light, star maps of the southern hemisphere, symbolic logic, introducing plus and minus signs into Italian mathematics, all were typical Jesuit achievements. And scientists as influential as Leibniz and Newton were not alone in counting Jesuits among their most prized correspondents. And I might interrupt to say the University of Notre Dame not only has a good football team, yeah. but several <laughs> portions of the moon are named after priests from that order. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Amen to that. And why do we talk about this, John? Well, this evening um, in its bulk is going to be about the Galileo issue, if you will. And before we talk about the Galileo issue, if we're going to look at this objectively, what we ought to appreciate is, well, what Thomas Woods just said there, uh, John, that the church and science, by its very nature, right, are in companionship with one another. They are not hostile to one another. And and that has to be part of our working context. Within our lifetime, around 1975, two scientists discovered that you could have a thermal reaction of the hydrogen bomb where you join the two. Yes. Okay, yes. you could do this at room temperature. This would be a massive invention because the hydrogen bomb, you have to have the heat of the sun to do it. So, you know, if you could run your car, remember that the deposit from that reaction is basically water. Mm -hmm. So here's your perfect energy system. And they came out with this, and I mean, it was headlines for two weeks until they discovered it didn't work. There's your scientific method. It mm -hmm. would have been a great invention, but it didn't work, and they have gone into mm -hmm. elsewhere, okay? Sure, sure. But anyway, the trouble with Galileo is brilliant though he was, he didn't 
prove his point. It looked very, very good, but he didn't prove his point. As a matter of fact, neither did Copernicus, and mm-hmm. Copernicus knew it. It, was, it. it looked very good, and it was possible, distinctly possible, but you could not prove it. And therefore, Copernicus knew about this. He knew, he knew also contradicted sta- uh, writings in the Bible, but he didn't make a big issue about it. Mm-hmm. But everyone knew of his writings. You want me to go on a little bit about, uh, about our, yeah, our man so, Galileo? Yeah, so as, as we talk about Galileo and Copernicus, John, for a listening audience, I think we should lay out what, in fact, was going on. What was the issue? What was Copernicus asserting as well as Galileo? The issue was Aristotle and Ptolemy, who concluded that the Earth was the center and things revolved around that. It certainly made sense because you could see the sun move mm-hmm. in the period the Earth moved, and you could see the moon move, and the stars didn't move. Therefore, it made sense. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the Aristotelian system was what everyone believed in. Aquinas was a big fan of uh, Aristotle, as we know, but not so much for astronomy. So the, the, the thinking of the time was that the Earth was at the center, and mm-hmm. the celestial bodies we moved around it. And Copernicus was the first one to say, I'm, I'm not too sure about that. Mm-hmm. And then along comes Galileo. Now, Galileo was born after, I mean, Copernicus was dead before Galileo was born. Yeah, yeah. Galileo was born in 1564 and died in 1642. He was 77 years old. That's old for those times, old for these times. Yeah, he yeah. lived a long time. And he was a workaholic, as many of the people we cover are. He had a grandfather who was a famous physician. His father was a noteworthy but impoverished musician. And Galileo was sent to the Vallambrosian Monastery at age 12, but his father took him out. His father knew his son. Mm-hmm. He was then enrolled at the age of 17 at the University of Pisa, I mean, to become um, a doctor, but he was more interested in mathematics, and therefore he kind of didn't, he never graduated and eventually dropped out. Then he uh, began to write on his own, and he wrote uh, in the area of mathematics, and he wrote two quite good papers that were published. And then he attracted a wealthy patron, a man named Guidobaldo del Monte. Now, this man was important in Galileo because he had money, and Galileo was able to continue studies on his own. And this man uh, was eventually able to get him a, an appointment to the University of Padua as, as a professor, and he mm-hmm. was able to keep this for quite a while. He also went to the University of Pizza, where he had left as a professor, but he got into arguments with mathematicians, and these arguments caused him to leave. His dad died, he took over the business for a while, and then the wealthy donor came and got him the position at the University of Padua, which he kept for 17 years. He also had a concubine, a woman named Marina Gamba, and with her he had three children, a son named Vicento, whom, with whom not very much is known, and he had two daughters, both of whom became nuns, and one of them, Sister Marie Celeste, was with him all the way through till his death. He also attracted another patron who gave him a considerable amount of money and he was able to move into a home not too far, across the river from Florence. So he, he was financially independent, and he was able to do work through the University of um, Padua, and he became a celebrity. Okay, mm-hmm. So um, there was a controversy uh, about is Aristotelian science correct or isn't it, or is Copernicus, whom people knew about, correct or not? And Galileo believed that the Earth was not the center of the universe, and he began to publish things about this. And uh, Kepler, who felt that the Earth was the center of the universe, but he noticed that the planets, not the stars, but the planets had an elliptical pattern. Mm. This was an important discovery. It wasn't circular. It was elliptical. Sure. Then this man named Hans Lipperski invented a telescope, which was quite good. And then Galileo 
built three of his own, which were even a little bit better. And he was he could see the elliptical pattern that these planets follow. This didn't prove that the Earth circles around the sun, but it is interesting to go this way. Well, and what's it, important there too, John, is to remember as as he's figuring these things out, inventing these um, things, he is at this point very well respected. Oh, is um, he ever by the Catholic Church? And um, there's some nice sound bites here. You know, it was in late 1610 that one Father Christopher Clavius wrote to tell Galileo that his fellow Jesuit astronomers had not only confirmed his discoveries and what he was finding and uh, and what he was discovering, but uh, they they very much enjoyed them, and he was receiving a lot of affirmation. When he went to Rome in, in 1611, he was uh, greeted with great enthusiasm and even religious fervor for what he was discovering in light of what we were talking about er- earlier as it relates to the relationship between uh, church and science. In fact, it was Pope Paul V who gave him a private yes. audience and uh-huh was encouraging him to to continue to follow the path that that he had already tread because uh, his discoveries were very exciting. So what's going on here? The discoveries were exciting. He didn't say the Bible was wrong. Mm. That's when the trouble began. And he had many Jesuits who did support him. The Jesuits were well into science, also Jesuits who had issues with him uh, because this was not a conclusive proof. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem was the moon because if the earth is moving... Why is the moon still with us? The moon should have moved away. And as you looked up at the stars, the stars were in the same spot. Remember the sailors of the North yeah. the North Star? Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. always there. Yeah. And you could guide your ship by that. Yeah. What they didn't realize was these stars were, I don't know, a trillion miles away. However, I mean, therefore, mm-hmm. they didn't mm-hmm. appear to move, if you're looking at them, from the Earth with a, a rather primitive telescope. So these were contradictions that Galileo could not get around, and nor could anybody else get around, because, yes, it is possible, but then we have these other issues, and yeah. they, could, they could prove. So anyway, the issue came in 1616. Yeah, I think that's 1612, John 1612. That was when he began to say or imply, well, he wrote a book. Yeah. And the book yeah. claimed that, that the earth moved around the sun, and this was in contradiction to several parts of the Bible, Joshua chapter 10, and particularly Psalm 103. So here you have an issue, and these letters got published. And so now we have the controversy. Mm-hmm. In uh, 1614, a well-known Dominican priest preached a sermon condemning the new astronomy. And there were others, uh, 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 Father Benedict Castello and others said this. So, yeah, so we have yeah. controversy going on. And eventually, the Pope wants to have some clarity on this, because here you have a celebrity speaking against the Bible. The Bible is not a history book, nor is it a science book. Um, but as St. Thomas Aquinas talks about um, in the Summa itself, is ultimately um, science can enrich our understanding of what we find in sacred scripture, uh, but it cannot be in contention with it. So there was nothing that St. Thomas Aquinas would say that would be in contention per se with Galileo, as much as it was more collectively how so many were in fact interpreting sacred scripture. Well, Paul V, uh, who was the Pope at the time, wanted to have some clarification. He did not participate in the uh, conference that took place, but he did assign a conference to take place. And uh, Robert Bellarmine was involved in this. Mm-hmm. And this is the way I understand it. Two papers were written, why the earth stay still and why it should revolve around the sun. They were not written by Galileo, but they were written rather clumsily by people uh, but however, Galileo's position, although clumsily written, was presented mm-hmm. with some accuracy, so was the other position. And it was presented to about 
uh, 11 Cardinals high-ranking mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And of this group, three did not uh, participate in an opinion, and the rest did. And they came down quite hard on him. And this document was written, and they wanted him to be uh, censured heavily, in, imprisoned. Mm-hmm. And um, this document was given to Bellarmine, and Bellarmine filed it as it had to be filed. It couldn't be destroyed, but he never showed it to Galileo. And he told Galileo that the uh, group felt his uh, work was not accurate, and he was to be censured, and his book was put on the index, where it would remain for four years, and that he was to retire to private life, mm-hmm. and that this was just too much, He was, you know, because this was not true. And Galileo did that. He, re- he went back to his villa near Florence, and he remained there, but he was, he was a workaholic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He kept working, and he kept working. And he came out with another book in which he proved that the uh, earth revolved around the sun. And this time he used tides as one of the big reasons. This was completely wrong. Mm-hmm. But So here we have the whole controversy coming up again. This is about 1630. Yeah, and what we should highlight too here, John, part of this controversy is how he was holding up um, his theory specifically as it relates to taking his theory to be literal or something that is hypothetical. We must remember that what he was being encouraged to do, that, that the Pope was actually encouraging him at one point to continue his, his research, but do it within the context of a hypothesis as opposed to this is literally true, because up to that point there was no scientific evidence that it was literally true. And what are we talking about here, John? On a much grander scale, what we're talking about is the nature of science as it relates to the subjective and the objective, Correct. right? The subjective is what is unknown, unhidden, unseen, and what is objective is what is external, revealed, seen. So part of this is <laughs> the relationship between what has yet to be proven and what he thought to be true without significant scientific proof. So this is part of the debate. And, uh, the document, of course, that was penned in, what was it, um, 1632, after he was encouraged still yet by the Pope to, to write about what he was writing about on his theory. Um, he, did not heed, uh, he did not heed his advice to do so under the context of a hypothesis. Uh, so this is all important as it relates to part of the debate that surrounds Galileo, because in the end he was censured because he would assume right. <laughs> this was literally true. The Pope the, in 1632 was yes. Cardinal Maffeo Barberini, and yes. he and Galileo were friends from way back. When yep. he was a girl, yep. had no idea he was going to become Pope Urban VIII, yeah. but he did. And he was the Pope when the 1630 uh, issue came up. Mm-hmm. Again, he published a book which was claimed that the Earth did move around the sun, and uh, at this point, this hidden document came out, and Galileo said, I never saw this happen. The church wasn't that down on me, and now you're all coming down on me. Yeah, yeah. And this time they did come down on him, and some really unfortunate things happened. He had to kneel before the cardinals and beg forgiveness and do so, and do a penance like that. They wanted to put him in prison. That did not happen. He, But he was sent to his home, where he was under, shall we say, house arrest. I mean, there was no one guarding him, mm-hmm, but... Um, mm-hmm. And he lived comfortably in the house, but he, you, you know, I mean, he was not supposed to go walking around. Mm-hmm. And he continued to work, and he became, this is toward the end of his life now. Yeah, He yeah, only had a couple yeah. more years to live. He became yeah. blind, and he still had workers working with him. He was able to continue some work, 
uh, while blind. By the way, it wasn't until 1729 that we had scientific proof that the uh, Earth moved around the sun, and this had to do with the stars. Some really good astronomer with a good microscope and yeah. the invention of calculus mm-hmm. was able to move, prove that the stars moved. Therefore, there was translational movement of the Earth. Mm-hmm. Therefore, Galileo and, and the Copernican school was correct. But yeah. it took a while to say, okay, here is your proof. And the church had no problem with that when it came out. No, it didn't. And, and this is why we see um, it was John Paul II at the turn of the millennium, John, who, um, you know, in the spirit of, of mercy that always comes during a year of Jubilee, yeah. um, for, for forgave uh, Galileo. Yeah, and and again, well, one of the things, John, um, um, well, he, we should say, um, you know, John Paul II um, looked back on Galileo and, and recognize that he was a man that was not quite at, f- at fault as many of us might think. Yeah, I have um, done on November the 10th, 1979, John Paul II, St. John Paul II said that Galileo suffered unjustly, so yes. that was early on in his papacy. Yeah, yeah. and uh, likewise, I know he echoed that in the year 2000. Yes. But uh, anyhow, John, I, I think the point for us to be had here is as we reflect into uh, the Galileo issue, although it be... Um, unfortunate on one hand, for sure, especially where he suffered unjustly. Uh, we have to look back on what was going on during this time. There was uh, this great emergence in modern science with all of these new sciences. Yes. And it was drawing a lot of people, in spite of what people may think, yeah. deeper into the mystery of God. Because why? God created the universe. Yes. And if there is a means to better understand God's creation, then let us understand God's creation. And so the church, as we had already talked about um, from the outset, in her um, Jesuit schools of science, would roll up their sleeves and get to work and come up with all these new inventions and, and, and patents so that we might better understand, yes, God who was Father, but also God who was Creator. Um, and so uh, this is important. And the Galileo issue, if if you were to look back into history, and I believe um, one Cardinal Newman even said this, you know, yes. if you were to look back in history, the only asterisk as it relates to a scientist in contention with the Catholic Church is really Galileo, but even then, that one isn't as much as we think it out to be. Right. Even that one is not what we make it out to be. Anti-Catholics yeah. took a real, uh, Galileo was their hero. Yeah. I might point out that this was not the last time science in the church had trouble. Think of 1854 when the Origin of Species was published. Sure. Uh, again, there was no, uh, you know, it didn't, I mean, it made a lot of headlines, but there was no Galileo uh, person persecuted for it. And certainly uh, Darwin was not persecuted at all. He held up very highly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, this was not the first time, and it may not be the well, last. No, 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 yeah. And, you know, we again, we, we talk about Galileo because what's important as we go through uh, the history of the Catholic Church is to appreciate not only the great Christian thinkers, you know, and the doctors of the Church and the great saints, but also, um, you know, the times that they lived in. Um, you uh, mentioned uh, St. Robert Bellarmine. Well, again, mm-hmm. he's a doctor of the Church yes. of the 16th century, and he himself was very much involved in, in this process. I'm also thinking of St. Albert the Great, who we talked about, yeah. John, another doctor of the Church right. um, before this time, but one that was very involved in the science, uh, Interesting sciences. Interesting that uh, Robert Bellarmine did not show 
1616 document to Galileo because he thought, he thought it might hurt his feelings. I mean, yeah. He liked Galileo, but you know yeah. the church comes first. I am a Jesuit. Yeah. And, yeah. and then when it push came to shove, Bellarmine cited with the church. Hey, look, you know you can do all the right. You know, you cannot say that that the Bible is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And so again, you know, as as we look at this, I would really encourage all of our listening audience, John, to, um, you know themselves roll up their sleeves and start reading the stuff that we're talking about. Because as I've said before, from one week to the next, we're only scratching the surface Um, to, to some degree, we're introducing these figures. If they're not saints, um, these scientists, um, so as to better understand uh, where they fall in the stream of uh, and current of of thought and and theory. So anyhow, John, once again, thank you for, um, you know, presenting what you presented this evening and, and, and as always, it's a great joy to have you with me in, in studio. And I know our listening audience um, benefits from, from your insights from one week to the next. And I don't know if you have any uh, closing thoughts for our listening audience. Well, uh, not really. Uh, you cannot prove God through science. You can't disprove God through science. Science is hugely valuable. And, but let's take it for what it is. It, does not, it doesn't tell us how to run a good government. It doesn't tell us how to run a good society. doesn't tell us how to find happiness. Mm-hmm. But in a science, is certainly useful, and the scientific method is very good as far as it goes. Yeah, and when we, and when we talk about science, what we're talking about, um, John, is reason. And, and certainly we, we are always to um, look at our faith within the context of faith and reason. And that is yes. what we're about. One illuminates the other. As John Paul II once said, um, they are both uh, wings from which we can soar to better contemplate truth itself, right? And so that is very important as we talk about this. I, I would like to close with this quote, John, once again, drawing from Thomas um, Wood's work, How the Catholic Church Built uh, Western Civilization, How the Catholic Church Saved Western Civilization. Um, and this comes to us from... Uh, one J.L. Hilbron, J.L. Hilbron, uh, from the university from uh, the University of California, Berkeley. He says this: The Roman Catholic Church gave more financial aid and social support to the study of astronomy for over six centuries, from the recovery of ancient learning during the Middle Ages into the Enlightenment, than any other and probably all other institutions. Amen. And there you have it. All right, John. Let us go ahead and. Close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.